0: Music Vancouver season is in progress, and I have the pleasure to introduce you to some of the musicians coming to see us. Today, for Notations, I have the pleasure to meet with Melisande McNabney. She will be here playing for us on Friday, September 29th at Christchurch Cathedral. And it is also, interestingly, a production in collaboration with the Vancouver Chopin Society. So Melisande is with us. Bonjour, Melisande. Bonjour. Hi. So I, when I heard the Chopin Society, and I know that you're playing generally the Piano 40 or the Harpsichord, uh, I wonder so, which instrument are you going to play when you're coming to us?
1: Yes, so I'm going to be playing Forte Piano. And um, it's, I believe, a relatively new instrument that's been inaugurated, but it's a, a graph Forte Piano, a copy of a graph instrument uh, by Paul McNulty. And so this is a an instrument that's new to me as well. And I'm very excited to discover it.
0: Wow, but you like adventure and improvisation. So you will have to improvise on an instrument you haven't played before. So I I admire
1: you. Um, exactly. It's very stimulating to meet a new instrument. So you have this kind of you have a conversation with the instruments and with the music. So it's a it's a a very uh, lively kind of performance when you're meeting a new instrument.
0: So what is, a, I don't want to go into too many details, but the difference between a piano and a harpsichord?
1: Well, um, there's, you know, keyboard instruments. Nowadays are standardized in different categories. So we have harpsichord, um, which is a keyboard instrument with the mechanism that has the plucking of the string. So it has tiny little plectrums that so how the sound is produced is a plucked string, and you have the forte piano, and then you have the modern piano, which is you know the grand piano that you usually see in concerts. And you know the forte piano is a, actually a very broad uh, eventail. So you have many instruments. It's all the historical pianos that evolve the. Earliest fortepianos are the same size as the harpsichord. They have five octaves, and they look like a harpsichord. You can, I want to turn my computer. I'm a bit worried about the noise, but I could show you. This is a fortepiano, five octaves. I'm stopping the (laughs) movement now. Um, (laughs) So um, from this instrument, which is a copy of an instrument, Um, of Mozart's. All the way to the grand piano you have, you know, they grow little by little. So every 10 years in the classical period, you had five more notes at the top, five more notes at the bottom. And so the instrument I'm going to play is a copy of an instrument, I think from 1820. Um, And it's already an octave bigger than this one. And it looks kind of halfway between this and the grand piano. So uh, they grew every year basically. Beethoven had at least five different size of the uh, pianos and you know you can play the earliest sonatas on an instrument like this and then the more you go uh, towards the later sonatas the bigger instrument is needed to play them.
0: So before you decided what you were doing to play here with that instrument that you will be improvising on. Uh, you had to decide, because now I know that you go from Carl Philipp Manuel Bach to Beethoven, yes. so you decide that this will suit this instrument.
1: Well, um, the program is would be well suited to an earlier instrument as well, but it's something that I have some flexibility with. Some people that play the fortepiano want the exact piano that was for the exact time and even the different countries have different styles of pianos so we have viennese instrument english instruments french instruments and i like to imagine that people you know in those days if they had an instrument at home they didn't throw it out every 10 years to have a different one and there's <laughs> you know <laughs> the instruments were around and so i'm going to play music that's suited to the viennese piano that could be played on an earlier piano but it's a it's it's, you were in the same sound world Uh, it's the same kind of action so viennese instruments they have this very light touch very clear sound and even for a later piano then you know music is maybe the latest music I'm, i'm going to play is from 1802 i think which is the beethoven sonata so you know
0: we won't go to Chopin even if it's a Chopin <laughs> <Yeah>. society <laughs> that, that's yeah. interesting I you know I, I see I, you I see you yes. navigate between all those instruments and I realize that if you are so much at ease with that it's because I I saw somewhere that when you were growing up in your family there were more instruments than chairs in your house I mean you people everybody was playing an instrument you were completely uh living in them
1: yes uh, there is always a uh some sort of instrument in my dining room when I was growing up, it was a harpsichord next to the table. And, you know, recently I had this new forte piano that I didn't really have room for in the house. And it was in the dining room because you always have a nice empty wall in a dining room. And that felt very at home with the, you know, the piano and the the pasta next to it. And you're trying to not splash too much when you're having your dinner. But um, yeah, I grew up in a musical house, but in, you know with professional musicians at the same time it's not you know we often imagine oh they're always you know playing music at dinner but it's not really like that you know people have their day jobs and then we do it you know homework when we get home and it's the you know
0: but that being said, your mother also is a harpsichord player yes, and she yes. created her own music series. Wonderful. She just retired from that. Your father, a viola player. Yes. Uh, you have a brother who's a musician, a husband yes. who's a musician. I mean, when you play with why every family is around you. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, yes. it must be uh, so much at ease in a way. You must be at home when you're playing. Yeah, it's.
1: Um, I feel very lucky, actually, to to have this life and to be able to you know be in a concert hall and feel yeah at home basically playing music it's it's a nice uh it's a, something that i you know i'm used to it but i still appreciate it every time that i'm in the concert hall and i feel like how nice is it to be able to do this in your life
0: yeah. and i see a spontaneous uh, uh, a free woman happy to do that and we sometimes think that it's very rigorous when you you want people to have the correct interpretation of everything Uh, but there is way more freedom than we think in early music no
1: well that's part of the appeal of early music and you know the the seriousness is part of every musician's life because it's incredibly demanding and we have this discipline that needs to be there every day and that's something that every musician can tell you that it's you know it's it's a very dedicated very you know, very difficult, rewarding, but very difficult thing to do. Um, but um, there's still so much to. What I like with the what we call the early music approach, where you know we're at early music Vancouver. Um, it's a very broad germ. It's it's more an approach to music where you incorporate. Um, I like to incorporate. Like I do research too. I I did a doctorate degree, and I like that's something that makes the music feel more personal to me Um i recorded almost the same program that i'm going to play i had j.s bach and no beethoven in it so i'm just moving forward in time a bit as i get more used to the the fortepiano um that's something actually that the early music movement in general is doing it's moving forward in time even to you know chopin and Schoenberg. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, um but there's would I have, you know, recorded a CD of Mozart if I didn't like I think there's so so many great interpretations of classical music. And for me what, what makes it sort of makes me feel legitimate in playing it myself when it all it's already played so much is that I have this personal approach to it. And so when the program that I'm going to play, my, what I was researching at the time was improvisation because composers at the time, they improvised. You know, when Mozart played in public, he improvised. Sometimes he played sonatas, but it was not the most, the first thing he was going to do. Beethoven also, he would improvise for people. That's how he performed. That's how he related to the instruments. And that's something that we don't really do. And I was really interested in doing more. And there's this method of C.P. Bach, where he teaches you how to improvise a fantasia. And that's the first thing I did when I had my new 40 piano. And it's a nice way to meet the instrument. You do scales, you do little harmonic progressions. And I'm gonna incorporate some of that in the recital. So that's a way that I feel like I get closer to how the composer was relating to music in general. And so the pieces that I picked are all Fantasias. I have little improvised preludes, some improv myself. That's you know still quite structured because it's not something that I, and I don't speak freely. Some, you know, some music, some classical musicians do more improvisation and uh, they get quite far with it. Um I'm still like, you know, um, beginner improviser, I have a plan, and I like to know where I'm going. And, and yeah, so that's, that's the approach. I'm going to play some Fantasias by Mozart. And I finish with the Beethoven's Sonata, Quasi Una Fantasia. The Moonlight Moonlight. Sonata. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And And, you see in these pieces, those, the, the feeling of the composer improvising. So that's why, that's what I imagine when I, when I'm performing.
0: So to to make clear, when you take the Mozart piece for example, you you pre, you have a prelude. But prelude means going to the place. So people musicians were preluding in establishing some kind of key and going to the sonata. So you're going to do that with the Mozart. Yes,
1: and so you know Mozart himself, he would improvise. He would not play you know a piece in C major and then a piece in G minor because people like to. Have their ears prepared it was going to be too much of a shock having two pieces in different keys so you had to do a modulating prelude to bring your listener's ear comfortably from one key to another to not shock anyone and and that's something that he would improvise we know he did this but there are some things that i'm going to play which are really precious documents they're written down improvisations that he wrote down for his sister so Mozart's sister, Nan Errol, no, no. um, she didn't have this um, ease in improvising. So she would ask her brother, can you write me a little something? Because I have a recital, she she needed to play something. So he wrote for her in a letter, a little prelude. And there's um, the a lot of research done by Robert Levin, who's a pianist and harpsichordist. So he a put together, actually that two Pieces that were thought to be separate pieces that they actually belong together, and they were part of the same letter to Nannerl. He found one page here, one page there, and they're they're folded the same way, so he knows these two pages go together. They're not published together in the Baron Richter edition, and um, but so these preludes they're really fantastic. You wouldn't imagine that Mozart would play like that. It's not measured. You have things that you know. It looks like harpsichord music to me. It looks like unmeasured preludes. And so I'm going to play some of these. Some of them I transposed to put them in the right key, but a bit like Nana would have done with it. So she has this material from her brother, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna use this here between those two pieces and this other little modulating bit here. So I'm gonna kind of spread those out to get the, this idea.
0: I love this whole approach. It's full of freedom. And you're mm-hmm. going to take us by the hand and you're going to take us from one piece to another very naturally. Yeah. Um, there, there is one question I had when I looked at the title of your program, though. Uh, it is the silver apples of the moon. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went to the computer to say, where does that come from? I saw that it's the title of a modern composer's album Martin Subotnik done in the 60s but also come from a poem by Yeats the, the the Irish poet so why did you select what is the relationship with those silver apples in your program
1: well um actually that's um the <laughs> the title was um, it was it was done in common so I think it, it was a uh, Suzy LeBlanc's ideas of my program with my program that you know that brought this uh, this title together and um yeah so my uh, original program was more um didn't go all the way to beethoven and so we added this moonlight sonata so that's how the the
0: uh-huh. the title
1: for the concert uh, came okay.
0: to be. because mm-hmm. in the yeats poem this yeah. program there was also the golden apples of the of the sun so mm-hmm. but yeah. i, I but was wondering you
1: know, like there's there's something with i don't know why but with improvising that goes with nighttime and that's always, when I practiced my improvisation, it was always, you know, I had um, a little baby, now he's five years old, but when I started, I would put him to bed and I would, you know, after an hour, I had my evening improvising and that's when it happened. And I was reading also, Um, I think, who was it? I'm trying to remember. It was Hummel maybe, one of the, those classical composers that was, writing about improvising and how it was always at nighttime that he would practice. And there's, with the Moonlight Sonata and the improvisation, there's something that's very, um, that just fits, it's, it's this atmosphere.
0: I would suggest Chopin too, I think, especially when mm-hmm. he was at Georges Sand's house in Doha, and Georges Sand would sleep under the piano to listen to him improvising. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> that's something like that. But back to your family, though, I saw somewhere yeah. that your, your grandfather, a great organist, was actually raised improvising because the organ tradition is to improvise. And and when the children were in bed at night, apparently he was continuing to improvise at his organ at home because he had an organ at home too.
1: Oh, um, so well, my grandfather um he grew up on a farm. So he is from Saint Saints and he is not the youngest, but he, you know, from a family of I'm gonna say 20 kids, but Bernard know, Lagasse. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think he had a piano, maybe harmonium at home, and um, so he didn't have an organ at home growing up because he was uh, he was in the country. But um, there was an organ at home when my mother was growing up. So maybe I think you're you maybe you have okay. two uh, two stories uh, combined because they had an organ at home. My grandparents Bernard and Mikhail Agassi. So they bought their first organ. It was one of the first organ built by the builder Helmut Wolf. There, there's instruments by Wolf uh, all over North America. He died maybe 10 years ago. Um, but Helmut was actually also a member of my family because he married my grandmother's sister. Okay. So he is my mother's uncle, Helmut. So there's this organ by Helmut Wolf in the living room when my mother was growing up. That organ is now in Montreal at the Salbourgie.
0: Oh so, yes!
1: So we can still hear it. I actually got to play that organ uh, last year um, for a concert that was uh, dedicated to my mom when she uh, when she retired from the, the Sal So
0: And I think on that occasion there were like eleven members of your family all together at the Sal Bourgie?
1: Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. It was,
0: Everybody, uh, musicians. Yeah. This is actually un- unbelievable. You know, we had in the past few seasons of uh, early music, Vancouver uh, music, musicians coming normally with their instrument. You see you know, Thomas Dumford with his lute, and you see Vincent Loisier with his flute and now, and now we see you uh, just uh, uh, introducing us to this new instrument. Is it something you do often? because I know that there is a very good instrument that was made for you or something at, at least for les voyons du roi in Quebec at the Palais Montcalm.
1: Well, you know, um I've been really lucky to play new instruments recently and that's something that I'm so happy to see because when you play the harpsichord and the forte piano, sometimes you can bring your own but not as far as Vancouver. No. And there there are some new instruments. So last year I played a new harpsichord that was um bought in um, Sackville in New Brunswick. So I did the inauguration of that harpsichord. And um I also played you know I played a concerto in Toledo. Um, in Ohio, <laughs> and they had a new ins- instrument at the orchestra there. So I played some poolike over there on a new instrument, and it's so nice to th- see those instruments. And now the piano uh, that I'm going to play in Vancouver, it's by Paul McNulty, and M- McNulty is, you know, the one of the top uh, instrument builders. And I haven't played his instruments since many years because the last time was when I was studying in Amsterdam. So there's a, an instrument of his when I started the fortepianos on the McNalsy fortepiano at the conservatory in Amsterdam and yeah. so and the new fortepianos that I have my instrument here and it's the twin of the new instrument of Le du Roi. they were bought together so we um I we made the we ordered the instruments at the same time so this is my personal instrument, and I bought one, and I um, I went to visit the builder, and uh, that's Rod Bergier. so he's in Maine. He's a fantastic instrument instrument builder, so it's a it's a nice relationship, actually, to meet the instrument builders, and not to mention, of course, uh, Yves Beaupré in Montreal, and now his son, Benoit, is uh, building, they're doing maybe... And yes. we
0: have Tomlinson in Vancouver yeah. as well. Yeah. So I, I hear yes, that and I said, is there more that's any... the other one
1: I forgot. You... I played I in Calgary, there's a new Tomlinson harpsichord I, I got to play, I think the, the first concert on it last year. So So yeah.
0: does it mean that the instrument is more and more popular? I mean, do I see all those instruments coming from everywhere? It's so amazing.
1: Well, you know, I, I like to I like the to think so. And um, I think especially the piano because we didn't have, we we didn't used to have many pianos in North America. It was, uh, you know, I bought an instrument because I wanted to play it and I didn't have another option. So I bought a very nice instrument because I, I knew if I wanted to play this instrument in my life, I needed to have one. The harpsichord, there are some around, you know, you can go to a hall and there's going to be a harpsichord. Not every time, but sometimes. Um, but yeah, the fortepiano, piano. I'm happy to see more and more. There's also a new instrument. at the Salboursi in Montreal. That's a new uh, fortepiano.
0: piano. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful hall yeah. you have there. So, um, I know that this last summer you were extremely busy. You were everywhere. You had the Domaine Forger. You were teaching. You had master classes. Everything mm-hmm. very full schedule. Do you also continue to go to Europe? You you studied in Amsterdam. Do you have a career in Europe as well?
1: no I I haven't been to Europe it's something that I I didn't maintain you know I have a, a five-year-old son and the last years were mostly you know trying to keep my head above water and you know have <laughs> have my career over here so I have I'm based in Quebec City I play a lot with L and I do my solo playing in North America it's um it's something that um you know you have to you have to put in the time and you have to be away from home. So it's definitely something that I want to pursue um, in the
0: coming years. Fortunately, yeah. you have two CDs out. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first one uh about four years ago, uh more, less improvisatory, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the second one, more French uh, is the first one. And the second one, Fantasias. It, mm-hmm. it has the same flavor of the concert that we're going to see today. Yes. And it's more German music as well. And, and I know that the praise is very high on those concerts, so or those those recordings. So at least we can hear it this way. Well, Melisande, it's such a, a pleasure to talk to you. One last question, because I always ask myself, why did they call you Melisande? Why didn't you become an opera singer or something else? You know,
1: I'm a. i am I wish I could sing. I really, I have. A, I I really don't have the voice. I love to sing, but it's, it's something that you know. Everybody needs to work a lot to, you know, become the musician that they are. But if I wanted to do voice, I think I would have a lot, a lot, a lot of work to
0: do. (laughs) But your parents obviously (laughs) loved French opera, no?
1: Yes, I think, you know, the Pélias et Mélisandes, I think my father was playing one of them. Was it one of the suites? Was it the Schoenberg? Was it the opera? I think my father was playing it. Mm. I was born in Quebec so my my father so Douglas McNabney he's a violist he was principal violist of the Quebec Symphony when I was born they must have they were playing uh-huh. some et Mélisande apparently I didn't have a name for a couple of weeks maybe maybe a few days and then you know my and, so uh... it, it was my my father
0: well at one point after the yeah. a few weeks after the baby is born you look at the baby and you say oh yeah melisande mm-hmm. should be the name <laughs> <Yeah. So
1: laughs> you look like a melisande <laughs> so it was music related and uh, not specifically to the opera itself like there's no story with the opera but i think it's just a you know one of those musical names and it's funny because i used to be a bit shy about my name because i was a shy kid and it's difficult to say and people don't know how to spell it and one time I went I you know I still even though I still felt a special connection with the opera et Mélisande. it's so beautiful and I listened to it a lot because it had my name and and we went to the Opéra de Montréal it was many years ago that when they did this production of uh, it and I went with my mom who's you know, she is a very sociable person and at the intermission, she was introducing me to everybody and I got so embarrassed and I went to hide in the bathroom.
0: Because By the way, your mother is is, yeah. is old.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I know. It's 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 a lot. it's A lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really it's a joy. Yeah. I can't wait to see your fingers uh, improvising on this beautiful instrument. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming to us.
1: Thank you so much for having me for this interview. And I can't wait to uh, come to Vancouver.
0: That was Melisande McNabney, who will be with us on the 29th of September. Thank you very much for sharing this time with us, Melisande, and I invite you all to the concert on the 29th.